Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cocktails and Spirits. This is Alfonso, also known as Fons. With me, like always, is Eric. What's up, Eric? How are we doing today? Oh, man, we're doing great. Doing great. Just excited for another episode uh, to share with you guys. Uh, today, we have Pete Nepenglowski, co-founder of Drifter Spirits. Pete, welcome. How are you doing? Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on, Pete. Uh, yeah, man. Funny story. Uh, you know, the way you and I met was <laughs> on the way way back from Tells of the Cocktail. I thought we were completely done meeting people and everything. And <laughs> we, we landed in LA. And then uh, I think, uh, well, my wife said the whole time she saw like, she, overlooking to the side, she saw that you were working on emails and there were tequila. She goes like, I knew he was part of it. And I had no idea. And then I think, <laughs> but I had, I had already seen your shirt and I recognized the paladar. Yeah. 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 So funny, man. Yeah. That plane was half full of people from Tales yep. for sure. It was, it, so it was never a, ends. Never I know ends. it's such a, such a good, fun event, but it and is, then as it we is. were talking, you know how it takes a while to get out of the plane. Cause we only started talking when we landed, we got to talk a little bit and, you know, I told you, we'd love to have you on and talk about drifter spirits and you guys have a ton of cool products. Um, and you just kind of want to hear about how, you know, when, you know, drifter spirits, are you guys relatively new to the market or how has that evolved because you guys have a great lineup of a variety of, you know, you know, spirits. Yeah, no, totally, man. Um, it, it, uh, so I guess overall the, the mission of drifter is really to tell stories, right. To work with amazing producers in a variety of categories with provenance and history and doing, you know, really, really high quality stuff and, and really unique stuff. And, and it started, uh, 10 years ago now, the first mm. brand that we brought to market was Abwa Kishasa. So that's a, that's a joint venture partnership with the, with the family, uh, third generation woman distiller down there, uh, Katia Spiritu Santu. And her, her farm and distillery is about four hours outside the city of Rio. So her grandfather started it, made incredible stuff, got to meet her, came with the idea of you know, building a brand that really could go beyond the Caipirinha and mm-hmm. tell the story of the really unique offerings that are down there into really cool, unique aging and things like that. So that was the first project. We launched that. Well, we preview launched it in January of 2013 um, at Milk and Honey. In New York, oh, it was nice. a construction okay. zone for for the new space. It was a 23rd Street, briefly, and uh, and then we fully launched it, kind of like into the market, um, like April 2013. So that was the start of the journey uh, in you know bringing to life spirits, working with amazing producers, and and storytelling in the market, and finding ways that you know it made sense for bars and restaurants and things like that, and. And that's just kind of like blossomed the love of spirits and and some other unique opportunities um, that came our way. Yeah, and now Cachasa, Cachasa is a very. Uh, I imagine the popularity has risen a little here in the U.S., but it's kind of a you know it's kind of niche in, in, yeah. in a way. So how was that bringing in, that into you know into the U.S. market, and how has it uh, you know been received? I imagine it's rising now. Uh, in popularity in cocktail bars and also for, you know, I'm sure there's a fair amount of cachaca, cachaca connoisseurs as well. Yeah. So, I mean, what's, what's wild about the category is, you know, it's, it's similar to, to the story of Mezcal. I think it's, you know, it's 500 years old, right? 
And it only made it to the U.S. in the 80s. So it's still Damn. really, really new. Yeah. It was not a part of, you know, obviously pre-prohibition cocktails. It wasn't a part of even the tiki tropical cocktail movement, right? It just wasn't here. So um, it's new for a lot of people. And and then, you know, what came in the 80s was the industrial stuff, right? You guys know the equivalent is in every category, right? Stuff that... Mm-hmm. Yeah that is made in mass and uh, you can buy it for pretty cheap and it doesn't necessarily inspire people to engage deeper in the category than just kind of like drink the thing that people drink, right? Which in this case, is the Caipirinha. So when we, when we did this, um, it, was, it was an interesting time. It was like uh, LeBlanc had been out and there was, there was a lot of, there was, there was, it was like the end of the hype of the category at the moment. It was a little bit of a lull. Um, and people were like, for, for a minute, people were like, cachaça is the next tequila. And then people at the time we were building this concept were like, cachaça is a disaster. Nobody likes it, right? And I think the answer was always <laughs> somewhere else, right? In the middle. And our philosophy was, you know, I we were friends with great bartenders, really enjoyed the scene, really had a love of spirits. And it was like, hey, can we tell the category story? Can we inspire people to, to make other drinks and to engage in some of the range of stuff instead of just thinking about it one way? And so went down there with that mission in mind and uh, spent six weeks trying over 400 cachaças all over Damn. different regions of Brazil. Wow. Um, it was a pretty crazy trip. Bartender, friend to friend to friend, took a week off and drove us around. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of the mentality. That explains Brazil right yeah. there, right? That's great. My best friend wouldn't do that for me. You know what I mean? So, uh, but he just loved it, you know, and, and it was, it was amazing. We met with, we did everything we could, you know, we set up some meetings, we just fucking showed up some places. Um, sorry. I don't know if I could curse on this. Oh no, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> you're good. And, uh, and then snuck 50 bottles back in a suitcase, 47 Damn. made it. Blind tasted those, wow. fell in love with this producer and built the brand Abwa kind of rooted in fifties and sixties Rio. Like, Started Bossa Nova when the world's discovering Brazil, really. The packaging was inspired by that architecture. And the mission was to go beyond the Caipirinha. So we were fortunate slash we worked very hard to get it in front of some amazing uh, bar people in New York. And, you know, we launched with the Prata, the unaged, that's 84 proof. And then an Ambarana H, which is a, a native wood from Brazil. It's uh, one of the kind of more prominent woods of 30. And that just got people talking. I mean, we thought it would be a small sliver to business and it's, it's mm-hmm. a significant part of it. Right. And, and it's, uh, and, and so anyway, we had kind of this, this moment where people were, were really engaged with what we were doing and, and then we had to get to work. Right. So we had to go do that in, you know, 30 different States. So it was basically, mm-hmm. you know, sleeping on couches, wheeling bags around, explaining to a ton of people we didn't even know what the category was <laughs> or explaining what what is this dude doing here in, in october talking to me about cachaça like come back in may i'm like no hold up you know you got to try this on Barana. you got to think differently right so it was a lot of that and, and luckily i think that message has gotten out you know um with the quality of what we do and and the kind of endorsement from a lot of great people and and that's that was kind of how we started building Drifter, right? It was is building relationships at amazing accounts on and off premise, and then re- and distributors, and and just realizing like 
there was there was more out there, right? We wanted to tell more stories. So the next product we did was full aquavit, uh, which we make in Brooklyn. It's very chef driven. It's another category. It's misunderstood. Five hundred years old. People don't really know much about it if they know anything about it. But it's a unique flavor profile, amazing tradition, uh, and that that was kind of the start of the drifter journey. Then it was like, hey, we want to do more than just this one thing, which we're so passionate about. You know, what else yeah. can we bring in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that um, well, before we kind of touch on on the other one, and then you guys have launched the so still strength goes as popular, and not just into like a you know, the high proof bourbon, but also uh, the still string tequila, but now it's yeah. also in Cachaca from what I'm seeing right now, you guys have a, yeah, man, you know, it's funny. I think we independently came out with that right around the same time that Fortaleza put out still strength. Oh, really? Um, cool, cool. Yeah. So, so basically uh, with Abla, I guess a couple things of production. So it is a steak grown cane, Five types, cut and press in 12 hours, which is really important. Think about it, breaking down a banana. It's then a mineral water flows down, it powers the water wheel, it turns the cane. Spent mm-hmm. cane fires still, the rest is gravity fed. So no electricity in the process. Um, and it's a single distillation in the Lambic pot still. So that single distillation is, is not very high off the still. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we distilled the proof at 84, but then, you know, I, my, I went back to our producer. I was like, we need something with, with a little more body, right? I want something a little different. And that was basically the highest she would let us go. <laughs> it was 90 proof. Uh, but it's awesome. It's amazing how different, I mean, having done some development, you know, three points of alcohol, it, it's, it's amazingly oh, yeah. different, right? It's amazingly different. It's fun. It's a little more robust. It's kind of a bit drier, you know, um, and so we did that, you know, for the nerves, right? Um, so there's, you know, we have a pretty wide range with Abla. It's Prats and Ambarada are kind of the core. We've got some other woods, Balsamo, French Oak, which was the first type. I was seeing And then those, some really geeky wood. Chibahosa, Tapinoa. Yeah, go ahead. The ones that say rare, that that's in reference to the type of wood it's aged in? Yeah, correct. So, uh, for example, Tapinoa is a wood that you can't use anymore. The only reason we can mm. have it is we had a barrel there from our distiller's father that lay dormant for decades. So we brought in a Cooper, mm. broke it down, sent it down, rebuilt it. So uh, that's a limited one, it looks like. Yeah, it's like we get one run of it every two years and, and it's going to change every time we do it. And it's, you know, it's so it's that's not going in the, the frozen machine, right? Um, yeah. But it's storytelling. So, you know, it's there's the main vehicle people discover Ava is cocktails. But then when you dig deeper, there's some really unique offerings out there um, to dig and, into. And what does Ava mean if, for the name? Yeah, good question. It means to fly in colloquial Brazilian Portuguese. So it's kind of a hybrid of the Portuguese and the native tongue. Um, and there's kind of a cheeky expression, you drink a chassis, you fly, right? Um, <laughs> nice. So we like that, you know? Uh, yeah. And uh, it's the bird is the sabia, which is the national bird of Brazil. But really the idea with, with Ava was like, how do we represent this thing to the outside world, right? How do we create stopping power with a unique pack that gets people asking the question, what is that, right? How do we get, yeah. uh, how do we get people... Like the first thing I do when I walk into a bar that just got the Prata, I order a Negroni with it, sub gin. Oh, wow. 
or the Amberata I put in a Manhattan, some whiskey. And people, they look at me like I'm insane. And then they straw test and they're like, wow, that's fucking good. You know, and it's, it just gets the mind moving. You know, it happens to everybody, right? You get into a little box, you think about saying a certain way and that's it, right? So our whole thing is think about it differently, right? What happens if, you know, that's kind of the general ethos of, of Drifter. Are all these expressions, are these common in Cachaca? For instance, the still strength and uh, and the barreling and the aging? Is that very common or something that you guys decided to do? Um, I'd say the scope of what we're doing is bigger than what most people do. So the aging, gotcha. there are 30 plus types of wood that Cachaca is aged in broadly, right? French oak was mm-hmm. first. It was literally Cachaca produced at the coast put on ox carts in French oak casts that then um, were brought into the rich interior mining areas. And that, that took months, right? To that transit and that mm-hmm. had an impact on flavor. And what's, what's cool about Brazilian culture is like, Hey, let's, let's try it. You got to hear this site. Let's see what happens. Right. So mm-hmm. there are now 30 plus types of wood. Now most producers might work with a couple. So us working with this many has been kind of us prodding our producer to say, hey, what, what, if, what if we did this? What if we did this? Still strength, pretty rare. Um, not non-existent. Not many people do it. Um, Kashasa is 38 to 48% ABV by, by definition. There's a really phenomenal, what's mm. called Aguadenshi, uh, that's like 50% that someone produces. I think it's made in Minas. Uh, but that's not the norm. Actually, most cachaça okay. you'll find in Brazil is 38. Um, not not actually uh-huh. even above 40, at or above 40. And now what's uh, distribution like for Avoy? Like um, you guys down here in California? Yeah, definitely. Um, solid market for us there. You know, we're we're in like 35 states with Avoy. Um, but if anybody's interested in, you know, getting it on the bar or figuring out where we're at, just hit us up, find us contact on the website or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're excited. It's been a journey with the pandemic. We had some, some real challenges on supply chain and making product available. And that's, that's gotten a lot better. So it's exciting because um, there's been a lot of, a lot of loyal users, which is awesome. You know? Yeah. It sounds like a very great product. And you guys kept in mind uh, to have versatility for it in cocktails as well, which is, is great for bartenders. Right on, man. And now the next uh, product you kind of mentioned was the, is the Svol Aquavit. That was the next one. Yeah. You guys brought in? Yeah. So that was kind of the, you know, it was a little bit of like, Hey, uh, two things happened. One is people started split basing Kishasa and Aquavit. Mm. Uh, in cocktails mm. and like tiki tropical drinks, enough for me to be like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> because I love tiki tropical drinks, and mm. also I was just like, "This is this is weird, but awesome." And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole of that and uh, started a project, basically to say, kind of a similar idea, like what happens if you thought about, you know, Aquavit, this old category with modern cocktail experimentation in mind and, and a culinary angle, right? So put together a bit of a super group. It was two guys who worked under Klaus Meyer who opened Noma with Renee. Um, Gunnar, Michelin star chef, owns Dylan Iceland. Jonas, head beverage guy, consulted on botanical sourcing and blending. And so we, 
we had those guys, you know, helping on the one side. We make it in Brooklyn with a great gym producer named Alan Katz. Oh, I was going to say that. So just so you know, he's been on our podcast. Oh, amazing. He's the best. He's such a good dude. We had him on, but we talked about his gin and uh, his whiskey. But I I saw that on the the PDF and I was like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we contract with him (laughs) on it, but he was definitely involved in the dev and and thinking through how to do this and and what have you. So it's basically an homage to the classical tradition there, um, but also essentially thinking about it in a modern way. So we have a Danish style that's more caraway forward, and we have a Swedish style, which is more dill fennel. We're working on a a Norwegian style that'll be potato-based and aged. So it's kind of reflecting those traditions, but taking it a step further in terms of like ingredient base and and thought process, et cetera. So that product we launched in the summer of 19, there was a lot of excitement. The coming out party was going to be March 2020 and then the world ended, right? So it's been a journey on that one. Uh, but it's exciting. You know, you could, you could feel in the last year, people are getting back to, you know, being creative, right? It's less about just, Hey, you got to do what's going to work because that's all you can do. Right. Starting, starting to really get back to a place where you've seen a lot more, you know, risks and creativity and cocktails again. Now, is that a spirit Mm -hmm. that's, uh, native to the, those countries that you guys are trying to go, uh, Danish and Swedish style and. Yeah. So it started in Denmark. It actually predated him by a hundred years. So the simplest way to think about aquavit is caraway is the aquavit as juniper is a gin. So it's dominated by caraway, that rye bread flavor. Dill is a big ingredient, Mm. uh, fennel, these kind of things. The Danish style, it's more caraway. So it's caraway, coriander, lemon. Rose hips, pine bark, angelica root, and gooseberries, right? Those are all those 24-hour maceration of those. The base of it has a portion of Allen's rye new make and then a portion of corn neutral grain. So it's kind of a very thoughtful, complex, yet cohesive spirit. And then the Swedish is fresh dill, cold infused. We pull that out. Then we, then we do fennel, caraway, coriander, lemon, lovage, lemon, verbena. Um, so... It's look, it's not to say, first of all, it's made in, in Brooklyn. You don't have to make it there. And we're not trying to make it appear like it's a 500 year old brand. Um, and second, it's not like you only make one style in Denmark, but it is to say we're trying to express that, you know, um, that tradition, our interpretation of that tradition, if you will. Right. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I'm seeing right now, you know, what you sent me and, and you have all those for the danish style has all everything you listed and so does the swedish style yeah they're all in the back of the bottle i mean our I was gonna world, ask that, we're yeah. as transparent as possible on everything we do that's what we believe in you know um so that's you know i think people it, again it's it's a new product it's such a unique flavor profile you can't really get anything else at the bar unless you're doing a shitload of prep mm-hmm. right so i think it's it's been very well received and i think it's it's going to have a moment up and coming, you know, just the category in general as something that is totally different from anything else you have at the bar. Yeah, that, that sounds cool. Now, flavor profile, I've never had it. Um, so what's kind of like, a, uh, like, what do you get? Like, what, what does it sit at in AVV? Um, and is it just kind of like very similar in style? I want to expect like a gin 
neutral spirit with botanicals? Yes. Um, so essentially like, sorry, like help me understand the question a little bit. Okay. So what's the, um, cause I've never had it. So flavor profile wise, oh. is it more of a, like, Kind of what to expect is it more like a gin? I imagine it's going to be yeah, more like it's a gin like a as gin opposed to like a tequila product. or stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. it's going to be closest to gin, but okay. but gin is more like juniper and mm-hmm. it's a different profile. This is a little more savory. So think about these are all food flavors, right? Like a Danish mm-hmm. is kind of like it's kind of got like a everything bagel type of vibe, right? And the Swedish okay. has like a you know. Dill, fennel, green, herbaceous kind of vibe. That sounds right? so intriguing, man. The the dill part. <laughs> yeah, you gotta try it. <laughs> yeah, gotta try it. That that sounds really intriguing. And what's the new one gonna uh, be like? The yeah, Denmark so one? the Norwegian style, oh, Norwegian, the base Norwegian. material is um, is potato, and it's aged very traditionally aged. So it's it's gonna be a little more winter like pine, winter, wood influence, et cetera. We actually will have a couple, we did a couple limited runs of two single barrels, one Danish and one Swedish that are three years old. We're going to put those out this year um, and in very limited quantity, just kind of was like a little test that we did, but super fun. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really cool category. There's a lot of places to go with it. Um, and it, it's going to be driven by, you know, cocktail menu experimentation and and people discovering and learning from it from that you know i was gonna say I, i'm pretty sure i saw it a lot on death and company books the the category yeah those guys love it they're buddies of mine you know that that's you know like uh nomad and leo and, um because again think about it like that savory profile mm-hmm. like you can't really get fresh dill out of anything unless you do or infuse it and, and, you know, kind of put a lot of effort into getting there, right? Yeah. So for, they're really fun for that. They're fun to split base. You can use them with different spirits. You can do riffs on classics. It's it's cool category. And for example, I was going to ask about the split base. Is it being used more as a modifier, like a quarter ounce, half an ounce? Is it kind of like a maybe one ounce, one ounce, sometimes even the main spirit? Yeah, I see both. I see like one ounce, one ounce. You know, the whole philosophy is this isn't just a modifier. Um it can be the main spirit. It can be a split base. Um, and, you know, the a lot of what's out there is maybe it's just um, caraway, for example, right? So we're doing mm-hmm. elements and layers, and it gives you more depth and more, more variety of application. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's the philosophy behind it. Yeah. More flavors, different, you know, and different unique flavors, which is great for anyone looking for a, a good new cocktail to put on their menu. There you go. And yeah, just, just like you mentioned, you know, it's uh, you can use it and you've done it in a Negroni, so it's just kind of a different twist to it uh, with a different profile a little bit. You know, 100%. Just change it one ingredient. So, 100%. Now, uh, next, I see, I, I imagine this is probably one of the newest uh, things you guys have on your portfolio, um, Drifter Cocktails. Yeah. So this was, this was so, all right. So let's, we're, we're on a good timeline here. Like where we're going. <laughs> so we, we launched full Aquavit. We're really bar centric, right? You can imagine what, you know, 2020 was like for us yeah. with that. Right. I mean, it, it was very close to just, this is over really, really close. Right. Um, so 
what we ended up doing from there was, um, you know, we kind of navigated the beginning of that and we saw enough loyalty on Avoa, which was awesome. Um, and so we, we were like, all right, look, we need to diversify. Right. Um, and we had more time than we ever had. I mean, we were on the road, you know, 75% of the time before that, myself and my partner, Nate, you know, just, just spreading the word. Right. Um, and so, you know, we had some time and it was like, Hey, look, this is, you know, there's an opportunity here. One drifter as a brand, this concept of travel and discovery and all that felt like it was something that was pretty powerful, right? That could go beyond just a brand to talk about at the bar with, you know, and our distributors. And two, you know, we, we make great spirits. We have relationships with awesome bartenders. So the idea was to really level up, you know, canned cocktails, right? So with, mm-hmm. with riffs on classics, with bartender-led recipes, which we put on the back of a can, with amazing spirits that either we make or they're friends of ours and we believe in them. It's not just some bullshit cheap product that you buy in bulk. And then all natural real ingredients. There's real juice. There's real aspects in there. All those ingredients are listed on the can um, and even where we get them. So that was the kind of brief. And we put this thing together in eight months. I mean, it was like lightning Mm. fast. It was kind of a... You know, you just got to do it, right? Like, <laughs> you got to make it happen. It's it's do or die, you know? So uh, it was literally, I'm now in Vegas. I was living in New York. I live in Vegas now. It was literally a bunch of my buddies who are in the industry coming to the backyard, tasting different versions of this stuff. I'm collecting notes. I'm sending feedback. We're iterating, iterating, iterating. Um, with with our food scientist partner on it and, and my ops guy. And, you know, we, we churned through the recipes, made it happen, put it together and launched it, um, you know, by, uh, by June 2021. Um, mm. So it's been cool. I mean, it's a, it's a category that's inundated, right? Like the big guys are throwing around money and doing what they do. But it's exciting <laughs> to have an offering like this. Look, it's not meant to replace anybody's amazing drinks at the bar, right? It's like, hey, we all go to the beach. You got you go do a barbecue. I mean, are you making Ramos at the barbecue? Probably not, yeah. right? Maybe just maybe you want something delicious. You can just crack and enjoy. You know, exactly what the category is meant for: ready uh, RTDs, ready to drink. You know, yeah, just popping it yeah, up. But and- but I mean, it doesn't mean it needs to be bad, right? And let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have probably had some rough ones. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> and then you guys have a yeah. great variety. So uh, you guys launched all of those at the same time, or is it kind of? Uh, like- we launched three first, which is the passion fruit caipirinha, which is actually our best selling. It's beautiful. Uh, that was done by Marina Mercer. She's from Las Vegas, runs the wind. Then we have the spicy margarita done by Nico Vasoto of Mace Fame, etc. Um, with Paladar, right? Our tequila um, passion fruit caipirinha has agua prata. Um, and then the Moscow Mule with Michael Neff, you know, bartender's bartender, guy did Holiday Cocktail Lounge, just done amazing, a bunch of amazing things. And then we did the Nordic Gin and Tonic slightly after that came a few months later, which has Aquavit and gin in it, Alan's gin and, and our Aquavit. Oh, nice. Um, and then we're working on uh, Nitro Espresso Martini right now, um, which is going to be bonkers once we finally get it done. I really like how they're influenced by based off of some of the uh, spirits that you guys have. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. 
totally. And the presentation is is pretty cool too. I mean, yeah, it, it, appreciate it, it looks that. great. Um, and now before you guys, before we talk about uh, Paladar, were you guys using Arete from that or it was already in the works, Paladar Blanco? It was already, Paladar was in the work when that project came. So we are using Paladar in the can. It's just the can Ooh. came first, that that project moved faster Got it. Than, than the tequila launch project. But that was already in the works. So, so we'll, we could jump into that one. Um, so that was essentially my partner, Nate, met Eduardo Jr., you know, the fifth generation mm-hmm. um, of the family that, you know, that owns and makes Arete and uh, in Europe. So we shared some importers and they got to be friends and yeah, kind of talking off and on a little bit, like, how do we collaborate? You know, what, what's possible? And there wasn't really an opportunity to work with Arete. It's just, you know, they're, they're in deals already and what have you. But it was like, hey, maybe there's something we can do on our own. So that was kind of the idea of Paladar. And the concept of like, hey, this can be Eduardo's thing that he does. You know, his dad and his uncle started Arete. He's, you know, obviously he works in the family and, and it's mm. going to be his, right? But But maybe something to do that's connected but different right so that was you know and it took some time to talk about it and you know they're very conservative they don't make anything else right um and and for us we weren't necessarily looking to get in the categories it's an opportunity to work with with people who make amazing stuff and you know you don't get those opportunities many very often Mm -hmm. right um so that was the concept and the concept was to make things the old slow way you know um beautiful eight-year Blue Weber Agave from the family fields. They own, they have eight plots, brick oven only, cooked for 48 hours. Um, and then we built an open top pine box fermenter, uh, which they had not used there before, um, but is the old, you know, vessel for fermentation. So we use that for Paladar. Um, and then again, same thing, all the details of production on the back. Um it's a unique package, which is with a dip from the, the, the soil from, from the agave fields, the volcanic soil. Uh, and then we're getting into experimentation. So we have a Blanco Arepo, um, and we started an experimental range. The first of which was an Ambarana finish Destilado de Agave. It's not a tequila anymore because it's a wood that is an oak. Mm-hmm. Um, really amazing really unique that's a that's a barrel from our producer in brazil we got into mexico first batch of that is sold through mostly we have another one coming um we just are rolling out a, an experimental tempranillo reposado so it's a baja california producer of tempranillo um we have one task of that for the country it's really really stunning it's a two-month repo six months in the tempranillo um, and then we're doing single barrels. So we're partnering with some people on cast strength, single barrels, Reposado and Viejo, um, that are really cool. So they're 92 to 95 proof, uh, which is a rarity. You don't really see age stuff that's over 80 yeah. in the category. Um, they're really cool. They're customized labels and things like that. So that, that project started last summer. So we're kind of still really, really young and early in that journey. Are, are those single barrels uh, soon to be out or is it? Um, yeah, no, it's out? actually just hitting. So we did five to start. Um, one of them is going to K&L in LA. 
Uh, one of them is going to Petty Cash slash Republic in LA. We've got one going to MGM here and another going to a casino called Sahara here. Uh, and then one went to Colorado to Aspen to the W hotel out there. There's a barrel program. Um, but we're, we've got a bunch more that are getting lined up. Uh, it's really exciting. You know, being deep and now in the whiskey world, I think tequila barrels are the next frontier. You know, there's something really special about a single barrel that not one is one is never like another, right? They're all different. They could be distilled on the same day that right next to each other. They have different <laughs> characteristics. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then right here, what I'm reading is that you guys um, let you customize uh, the, the, what the barrels proof down to, or is that, yeah. Am I reading? Damn, that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the philosophy that we cultivated a rare character is, is like, you know, customization, right? Like, you know, I think what what's happening with with both of these categories is, you know, the bigger brands, they're they're doing less and less customization. They're 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 really just getting efficient and they don't have to, right? They're selling shit out of their products and it's mm-hmm. great for them. And for us, it's like, hey, look, we want to work with people, we want to do unique things, you know, we want to hear ideas, uh, we want to try things out, right? We could do that on very small batches. Uh, in a way that, you know, bigger companies, you know, then that's not the way they approach it. They don't have the time to do it and, you know, mm-hmm. what have you. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, we've kind of, we're going to do a unique proof of a Blanco for the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Las Vegas. It's going to be okay. in between our base and then a still strength we're going to do at a hundred proof. Okay. So we're going to do that's an cool. in between for them. And yeah, it's just kind of playing around, man. Um, I think it's, you know, there hasn't been enough experimentation in the tequila category, I think it's starting and it's cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, right. kind of, again, you could try things out. That Tempranillo, we were like, yeah, let's say it's a friend of Eduardo's. They have a, a pro- their producer called Relieve. And he was like, so, hey, take a couple barrels, see what happens. And we were like, wow, so temp- this is temp- phenomenal. That's wine, right? That's what it's, it's Correct. So what that is, is it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a American oak cask that had Tempranillo wine in it, which is a red wine, traditionally a Spanish wine, but now it's being produced as well in Mexico and other places. And so what happens is the, the what's left, what's soaked into that barrel interacts with the tequila and imparts some of that flavor, right? So you're getting a bit of that kind of influencing, we call it finishing, right? So it's mm-hmm. not that there's, there's wine in it, there's that there's there's residual wine, so you get both the wood aging impact and the finishing interaction, and it creates something entirely new, right? Like if you guys get the chance, you have to try it. It's super unique. It looks super dark. That was the picture. Yeah, everything everything we do is so that's that is there's no additives in that. That's not bullshit to get to that. That's all the interaction with uh, that particular barrel and what that barrel saw before, right? Now, earlier you mentioned uh, you guys have the agave distillate, um, and that one can be called tequila because it's not oak, but the tempranillo could be tequila because it is American. Correct. Correct. It it could be any form of oak, but it can't be not oak, right? Which is, in my opinion, somewhat arbitrary, but hey, everybody makes the rules, right? Process that they have. Yeah, the Ambarada Destilado, for two months, it's it's already a repo paladar. If we just stop it there, it's made exactly the same way. Then we put it in an Ambarana, all of a sudden it's not tequila anymore. 
Yeah. I mean, is that, <laughs> that is sense? crazy. No, that's Not crazy. really, right? Come on. But yeah. look, whatever. You know, follow the rules, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Now, um, what? And how long are the finishes? I, I imagine they're all going to vary on taste. But for example, it all how varies. Long the, exactly. How long was the finish mm. for each of for the Ambarana? Ambarana the was three months. Ambarana is really potent, and Ambarana is oh, different. Okay. It's not that it had something in it; it's the wood itself making that impact. And it all depends on the barrel, right? Sometimes you don't get enough finished influence. You need to wait. Sometimes, and it, you could really go wrong with finishing, right? If we've learned yeah. anything, if it goes too far. It's undrinkable, right? And if it's not enough, it just tastes like a repo, right? Which is fine, but that's not what you were going for, right? So when you're doing these experiments, you have to keep checking, right? You're checking all the time. Like, hey, is it there? Does it need a little more? Do we need to pull it because it's going to go too far? Um, and, you know, it's, it, that could be hard, right? Sometimes you go too far. There's not much you can do about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's done. Yep. It's just, uh, it's, you know. And when you guys get those barrels, uh, at, at what what life expectancy is that? At because uh, I know some sometimes they're you know they're used three four times before you guys get them. Yeah, yeah. So for example, Ambarana, because it's the wood, you get to use that for decades. That's a beauty of of that type of thing. I would say you're going to get two or three runs out of a finished barrel before. It's not that it's no longer useful. It's just mm -hmm. at that point, it's basically an oak barrel. Right. It's you're not yeah. you're not getting the impact of the finish anymore. It's just it's an aging vessel, which doesn't mean you don't use it. You still use it. You just you think about it differently. Right. It's kind of it's yeah. life cycle as a finished mm -hmm. barrel is done. And would this be considered a single estate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's all from one distillery, which is NOM 1109. It's in the town of Tequila. It's called Eliado. It's a distillery name. They make Arete and then now Paladar, and that's it. Um, it's, you know, walking distance to Fortaleza and Don Falano. People go on tours of those three together, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just, we're just trying to be a part of the additive free, make it the right way movement, you know. And then you guys came on, the tequila kind of started coming out within the last year and a half. Maybe yeah, I mean, the year, it's not even been a year, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just a year now, you know? So it's its really new. Um, and, you know, even some of the things we haven't even put out yet, right? We started with the Blanco Repo and the Ambarana, and now we're rolling out the Tempranillo. We're going to have the Still Strength later this year. We're doing the single barrel. So now it's kind of like the what what we're trying to achieve is starting to come into more focus because we're starting to show off some of the kind of unique things we've been working on. Yeah, man, that, that sounds cool. I mean, I like the, I, I really think that, you know, letting people kind of, you know, pick out single barrel things and customize it and not just be like, like, for example, in whiskey, you know, hey, you're going to pick one of these 10 you're going to try. And <laughs> that, that are 10 that we pick from the hundreds, thousands that we have. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, that because that's it's awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. And now, uh, la you guys do have uh, rare character whiskey, right? Yeah. So rare character is a separate company, but I am a partner in that as well. And that is a partnership with uh, Pablo Moy. So he owns. Uh, he's an owner of Scopa and Dama in LA. Old Lightning. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so, you, um, Dama, you're, you're, what was it about Dama? So, Pablo, my partner on Rare Character, is an owner at Dama. 
Um, yeah, so he's 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 awesome. I mean, he's he's originally from Queens, Colombian. He's been out in LA a long time. He's he started up some amazing cocktail bars, but he uh, he opened Scopa, and that's how I get to know him. Selling a mobile, actually. Okay. Uh, so he was, he had had some bad cachaça and needed to be convinced there was really good cachaça, <laughs> you know, um, like many people, frankly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we became friends, right? So, you know, we just share passion of spirits. We both love, you know, sugarcane spirits, uh, love tequila, et cetera. And so it was one of those things we just, you know, you're talking to everybody at the start of the pandemic His restaurants shut down. He's uh, doing some single barrels, looking to buy barrels. And we just kind of just this idea kind of sprang up to be unique, independent bottlers of American whiskey, kind of like the tradition in Scotland, Gordon McPhail, Duncan Taylor, right? These kind of things. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was the idea and it iterated a lot, but we kind of got into, you know, again, puffing single barrels. Uh, and so it was rotating menu, leveraging his relationships and palate to find different tranches of things, some bourbon, some rice. We started experimenting with finishing a lot of really cool stuff we've done there. Uh, and then the projects expanded. We started releasing things called exceptional series, which are eight year plus really beautiful single barrel releases, different bottling. We put out a product called Fortuna, which is a revival brand from the late 1800s that died in 1971. And we brought it back as true to form as possible. So it's kind of like a celebration of American whiskey. Yeah, and we, we have do one various the, things within that space. Yeah. I have one of those Fortuna bottles at, at work oh, nice. that I didn't know was part of this until right now that I was looking <laughs> well, at Well, here you go. Let Instagram. me give you a little staff great. training. Let me give you a staff training on it. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it, the product itself is six year minimum age state of Kentucky. Pablo did the blend. This is his first blend. It's batch of 102 proof with six barrels going in each blend. So it's micro blended. And it's aimed to taste like the dusty old Fortuna bottles that we got our hands on. Mm. So it's a legacy brand that was distilled by the Stitzel brothers under, um, under, under a German immigrant named Phil Hollenbeck. These guys created the modern racking system progenitors of Stitzel Weller. So it had it had it was a huge brand pre-prohibition, like 70% market share. Navigated that. And in kind of the dark, dark days when nobody was drinking shit other than vodka, the brand went away. And so we've brought it back. It's just delis- delicious, honest, well-made whiskey at a unique proof point that kind of you know reminds of, of this old kind of era, you know. Yeah, now I'm gonna have to. I work later tonight, so I'm gonna. There you go. Let me know what you think, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're pretty proud of it. Yeah. So that's one piece. We call it the Heritage Series. We brought that brand back. We got another one we're working on called Brook Hill. We do a lot of single barrels. uh, That's kind of been bread and butter, and and there's been a community who started collecting them. It's pretty wild, man. Um, Yeah, yeah, I like how you guys uh, uh, market it. You know, it's uh, revitalized for a new generation of bourbon drinkers, and it's true. You know, it's again, it's the same idea. Like, how do we shake things up a little, right? And mm-hmm, you know, yeah. you still you want to take what's great about the way it's been done, but are there ways to think about it a little bit differently? We do. We've we've done a number of Ambarana rides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where we take the Ambarana from our barrel producer at Avoa, and then we brought it in, and Pablo's like, "Rise the place." So we use fifty one percent rise. 
six-year-old from Indiana. We finished for three months and it's, it's amazing what it does, right? So that's kind of this combination of my background and his palette and thought process coming together, you know? And we do a lot of things like that, right? We're kind of put little things out and see how it goes and, you know, lean into the things that are clearly working and great and all that, you know? Yeah, man. It sounds like, uh, you know, too smart. I know you said they're different companies, but uh, kind of like, you know, this same style, you guys are trying to tell a story and right. also trying to innovate. And I think that's what's that, you know, there's a lot of collectors, aficionados, enthusiasts, connoisseurs, whatever everyone wants to call themselves, but innovation and new is what keeps you wanting to try new products as well as just, you know, uh, someone just bringing out the same old thing. It's great, but mm -hmm. everyone looks for something exciting as well. Right on, man. Awesome. Thank man. you. you wanna, uh, let us know where um, we could uh, find you on, you know, contact you or the or drifter or any of the brands. Yeah. I mean, drifterspirits.com. We'll have a bunch of that info. You should be able to get to me there. Um, same thing on rare character website. My personal handle is Peter discovery on Instagram. Um, so I'm on that talking about spirits a lot, you know, what have you, but yeah, appreciate you guys having me and breaking it all down. Uh, it's been fun chatting about it all. Thank you, man. It was, it was great yeah, talking to you and learning about, honestly, it's cool learning about spirits. We hadn't, uh, had on like Kachasa yeah. and, yeah. uh, I, I have a hard time pronouncing the other one. But Aquavit. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. so simple, but it looks so like strange. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. thank you for your time. We appreciate it. All right. Have a good yeah. one, gentlemen. Yeah.